Our scripture reading this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 10. Chapter 10. Can't believe we are nearing the end of this great book. We're going to read verses 19 through 39 of this chapter. If you have a pew Bible, you'll find it on page 1007. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. Let's give our attention to the Lord's word. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water." Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle and sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. This is the word of the Lord. As we prepare our hearts to hear from him, let's stand together and sing our song of preparation, I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Unto me and rest. Lay down, O weary one, lay down your head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, so weary, worn and I found in him my resting place 
together. Heavenly Father, we need to hear the voice of Jesus. and We need to hear him speaking to us clearly from this, his word, and ask that you would be with us to make that so. Lord, I, I do ask that you would rule and overrule the words and folly of my lips so that I might speak truth. I pray that you would be here to bless us, your people, as we come and focus upon your word to us. And Lord, we pray this with confidence because we come as children to a Father who is able and ready to help us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can do anything once. It's easy to do something once. Perhaps it's getting in shape. It's easy to go to the gym one time. Uh, how many times in January do we renew our membership to the gym, uh, go a couple of times, and then sort of fall off? Or with a diet, it's really easy to keep a diet for a day. Or when you've got guests coming over, it's really easy for you to keep your house clean for one evening. Um, the problem is persevering in these things, keeping on going to the gym, keeping on exercising, doing that diet day after day, keeping the house clean on an ongoing basis. That's where things become difficult. True in the small things in life, but also very true of our Christian lives. It is difficult for us to persevere. Yes, there are times when we will gather together and we will taste the love of God and we'll be encouraged by Jesus, but how quick we are to let that uh, comfort and assurance slip through our grasp. When the realities of life hit, when we go back to the office, when we engage again in that difficult relationship, how often we find it hard to keep on going, to persevere in our walk with Christ. 
This passage that we read this morning, Hebrews 10, 19 through 39, is all about perseverance, all about how we can keep on going as believers in Jesus. We're going to focus our attention really on verses 22 through 25. A little bit of thought on the larger context. Verses 26 through 31 give us a warning about the dangers of not persevering, a warning of what will happen if we don't continue on in the faith. Rebellion, we are told, pours scorn upon the sacrifice of Jesus. We get this terrifying summary verse in verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God has done everything that was necessary for us to be in full and free relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And if we neglect that offering, if we pour scorn on his sacrifice by rejecting him, then what hope is there for us? There is no hope for us, and we should be afraid if we are not found in him. Verses 32 through 39 then go on to give us an encouragement about perseverance. Writing to his original audience, uh, the author calls them back to those times when they did persevere as believers. Looking back on their past, even through difficulties and hardships, they saw that the Lord was with them. And we can also do that in our own lives, looking back to see how the Lord has been faithful to us. Summarizes his thought in verse 39. We are not of those, and we, McLean, are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We're going to see in the sermon that we are not of those, not because of our own strength, but because of his grace to us. Verses 22 through 25 then really give us the the meat of our sermon today, and they give us instructions on how to persevere. And look with me, the, the text outlines itself. If you look at the start of verse 22, verse 23, and verse 24, they all start with the words, let us, let us draw near in faith, verse 22. Let us hold fast our hope, verse 23. Let us stir up love, verse 24, called uh, to faith, hope, and love, that great uh, Pauline uh, triad. We're going to look at each of those verses together this morning. Before we do that, though, we need to look at verses 19 through 21, because it's important for us to remember that God doesn't give us instruction. He doesn't give us teaching or commands or exhortations in a vacuum. He doesn't just leave a command hanging out there and say, go and obey this. He always always provides us the means by which we can go and obey that command. He gives us pillars to support those commands, means by which we can obey them. And verses 19 through 21 really provide us with the fuse that will ignite the dynamite of verses 22 through 25. So let's look at them together. Note again, this this section outlines itself for us. Verse 19, since we have confidence, and verse 21, since we have a great priest. First then, verse 19, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. We have confidence, we are told, to enter the holy places. And we know what a remarkable statement this is because we've been working our way through the book of Hebrews. And we know that the holy places are those places where only the priests would go, only the priests would enter, and they would never enter without sacrifices, the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. And then the most holy place was the place where even the regular priests would not enter, but only the high priest would enter, and even he then only once a year. And again, 
again, never without sacrifice, so that the sins of the people might be forgiven. And you remember what they did to the high priest when he went into that most holy place. They tied a rope around his leg, because if he was in the presence of the Lord and sinned, he would die, and they would be able to drag him out and not have to enter themselves. And now we are told we have confidence to enter. We do not have to have priests. We do not have to have a rope tied around our leg. We can go into the presence of God. How? By the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. Remember when Jesus was crucified on the cross and the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. This symbolic act wherein there is no longer a veil separating the most holy places from the people on the outside. So we are told that Jesus' body is like a curtain. And as his body is torn upon the cross, so the veil that separates us from God has been torn. And we can enter into his presence and know him as he really is and be known by him as we really are, having full relationship with him and full intimacy with him and full knowledge of him through Jesus, his son. Jesus has come to remove that curtain of separation that we might know him and be in relationship with him. And so we have confidence to be with our God. Verse 21, since on one hand we have confidence, we also then have a great high priest, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Calling our attention again to that theme that has been so prominent throughout the book of Hebrews that, yes, Christ has done great work for us in his sacrifice. He has uh, opened the path to God, but he continues to work on our behalf. We have a great high priest. It is not just about what Christ has done. It is about what he continues to do. And he continues to stand before the Father on our behalf, being our advocate, praying for us, making intercession for us. We have a Savior who has not just done things in the past tense, but continues to do things in the present tense. This is the gospel that is ours, full relationship with God, not behind a veil, but face to face, because we enter in the name of Jesus, who himself at this very moment is standing before him, pleading on our behalf. Because we have this gospel, since we have these things, since Christ has done this and continues to do this, we are told then to do three things. First then, let us, in light of this gospel, draw near in faith. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. God calls us to come into his presence with a a true heart and in full assurance. He calls us to come into relationship with him and not create a veil of our own. He wants us to see that our hearts have been sprinkled and our bodies washed so that as we come into his presence, we do not need to fear. What a beautiful idea it is that we have been wiped clean. Our sin has been taken away. Those acts that lead to death have been removed from us so that we can know him and serve him and be in relationship with him. He calls us to remember that the condemning thoughts that come into our minds are not from him any longer. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he calls us to draw near to him with this freedom of heart and this freedom of soul and this freedom of conscience. God is a consuming fire and we used to flee from him in terror because fire is unruly and terrifying. 
But now we draw near to the warmth of his glow through Jesus. And so those saints that we reflected upon last week understood this. Uh, Job, who said, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes, is the same man who said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, I see my sin, but we may, may we praise his name. Or Isaiah, who said, uh, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. Is the same man who said, The Lord, yes, the Lord is the rock eternal. I see my sin, I see its devastation, but I draw near to the rock who is my foundation. David, who said, I am a worm and not a man, is the same man who said, The Lord is my shepherd. Yes, I see my sin, but now I draw near to the one who cares for me and protects me. Paul is the one who said, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Is the same one who calls us to draw near to the Father through the Spirit and call him Abba. Peter, the one who said, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, is the same one who says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Yes, we see our sin, but yes, we draw near to him in faith. Not focusing upon the deeds we have done, but focusing upon him as the the blessed one, the shepherd, the rock, Abba, the one who is uh, carrying all of our anxieties. God calls us to draw near to faith in him. You understand that he did not tear the curtain in the temple and he did not tear his son's body upon the cross so that we could be in a long-distance relationship with him. He calls us to draw near to him. How do we do this? Two thoughts. First of all, there's a very objective side to our drawing near. Hebrews 7 verse 19 that we looked at a couple of weeks ago spoke about Jesus as the better hope which has been introduced through which we draw near to God. Jesus is the better hope through which we draw near to God. So all that we said at the start of this sermon, we draw near to God not on the basis of our own worthiness but in the name of Jesus because he has removed the veil we draw near. There's an objective reality to the fact that we can draw near to him. But there's also very much a spiritual reality to this, and I want to reflect on this for a few moments together, because I fear the de-supernaturalization of our faith as Christians. And we have this tendency in the church where we will approach topics and we'll say, here are the five keys to draw near to God. And here are the seven keys for your marriage. And here are the six keys to great parenting. And here are the three keys to the next thing that you're worried about. Here's why that doesn't work. The problem that prevents me from drawing near to God is me. Now, don't misunderstand me. Not so much my sin, but my inability or my lack of faith to see how much he loves me. That's what prevents me from drawing near. So give me five keys, and now I am the problem with five keys. Give me six keys, and I'm still the problem with six keys. What needs to change here is me. And what needs to change is, is you. And as Christians, we believe in this supernatural reality whereby the Spirit comes and changes who we are. The Spirit is at work to make us different people, to conform us into the likeness of Christ, which isn't just an external activity-based thing, but is an internal reality whereby we become different people. How do we draw near to God? The Scriptures show us again and again that we, we draw near to Him in faith through His Spirit which means that we plead for the Lord to enable us to draw near in our hearts to him. 
Think of 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and Christ's perseverance. Or Romans 5, 5, where we speak about God's, we hear about God's love being poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Or Ephesians 3, I love this. Let's read this together. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. Paul starts a prayer in verse 14, and then he prays that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and that we, you and I, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. As Christians, see what I'm saying? We're reclaiming the supernatural element. We're called to know something that's unknowable. How does that happen for us? The Spirit brings it to us. Know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And because that sounds too amazing to be true, the very next verse, now to him who is able to do abundantly more than all we ask or think, according to the work that is within us, to him be glory in the church. We draw near to God, yes, through the objective work of Christ, but also through the spiritual work of his Holy Spirit. We say, Lord, I have a tendency and I am prone to wonder and I need you to direct my heart into your love. I need you to pour out your love into my heart. I need you to show me uh, uh, that I might know the unknowable love of Christ. I need change from the inside out. I need change from the inside out. Come, Lord, enable me to draw near to you in faith. So that's the first thing. Because of what Christ did and does, we are called to draw near to God in faith. Secondly, verse 23, we read, let us hold fast our hope. We're to draw near to God in faith, and we're also to hold fast our hope. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hold fast, we are told, the confession of our hope. Hold fast to Jesus. Hold fast to the fact that he is our Savior, he is with us, he is for us, and that he will uh, protect us through all, all things. Hold fast to this gospel that you proclaim. God doesn't want us to be buffeted by every wave of circumstance that comes along so that we would have confidence in the gospel one day, but then something would happen in the office or in our families or with a colleague, and and, and that confidence would just evaporate. It would just disappear and slip through our fingers. No, he says, hold fast without wavering. We're then given encouragement to do this in two ways. First of all, he refers to our hope. Now, hope in some ways is, is is not the best translation because we use the word hope when we, there's an element of wishful thinking about it. So you hope to win the lottery. You hope that the Redskins are going to win this afternoon, right? You hope when it's not certain. The biblical use of the word hope is more akin to how we would use the word guarantee. Hold fast to your guarantee. Hold fast to the fact that Jesus has come, and he has died, and he has risen again, and he is in heaven, and he has provided everything you need for life eternal and life here today. It is your guarantee in him. So hold fast to it. Second piece of encouragement, how do we do that? Because he who promised is faithful. Isn't that a gospel word? Why do we hold fast? Not because we can do it, not because we can hold fast, not because we can work up the willpower within ourselves to follow Jesus as we should. 
but we can hold fast because he who promised, he who made these promises to us, is the one who is faithful to us. So that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus. In other words, your ability to persevere is dependent not upon your strength, but upon his faithfulness. The perseverance is located in the grace of God to you, not in your own strength. God is faithful to you and will be faithful to you no matter what comes into your life so that you can hold fast to your confession. You can persevere because of his faithfulness. God is faithful to you beyond all things. I made a list. Are you ready? God is faithful to you beyond your worthiness or your unworthiness. God is faithful to you beyond your innocence or your evil. He is faithful to you beyond your morality or your immorality. He is faithful to you beyond any honor or dishonor, beyond your fidelity or infidelity, beyond your dignity, beyond your depravity, beyond your religion, beyond your irreligion, beyond your purity or your impurity, beyond your success or your sin, your boldness, your betrayal, your distinction, your disgrace, your worth, your wickedness. I've run out of breath, but I've got more. Do you believe that God is faithful to you whether you're deserving or undeserving? Do you believe, as Brennan Manning used to say, that God loves you and is faithful to you as you are and not as you ought to be? God is faithful to you. And so we hold fast our hope because our perseverance is not dependent upon our strength, but upon his grace. Because of what Christ did, because of what Christ does, we, in the first place, draw near to God in faith, and secondly, hold fast our hope. Thirdly, let's look at verse 24 together, where we read that we are to stir up love. Because of what Christ did and because of what Christ does, let us stir up love. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The word consider here is being used in reference to each other. So consider each other that you might know one another well. In other words, reflect upon each other. Don't just have a superficial relationship. Get to know one another well, that you might know how to go about this work of stirring up toward love. And this word stir up is great too, isn't it? It's so active. It's so dynamic. It's saying, get to know one another that you might be able to mess with each other's stuff. Get to know one another so that you will know where you need product, where you need encouragement. I need you to know which of my toes need stepped on. And I need to know which of your toes need stepped on. And then once we know that, you know what we're going to do? We're going to step on them. We're going to step on them. We're going to stir one another up, this great mutual picture whereby we get to know one another, mess with each other's stuff, and, and encourage one another. How do we do this? Verse 25 gives us the answer. We stir up one another to love and good works, first of all, by not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. The Bible presents us with uh, it's this key idea that central to our perseverance is life in community. You've not been designed to walk alone. You've not been designed to be able to live out this Christian life by yourself or just with your own family. You've been designed to need other people and have been designed to flourish in the context of community. So don't give up the habit of meeting together. Whether that's in large group like this or it's in small groups or it's in uh, f- you know, friendships that you have each other over for dinner, you know, it doesn't have to be some formal thing. It's this idea of a relationship with one another. Now some of you say, I really don't like small groups. Prayer time's awkward. Bible study's difficult. 
I say, you've developed a bad habit. Don't give up meeting together as is the habit of some. Persevere with it. Embrace the awkwardness. Endure. Make it through. Why? Because you need these relationships in order to stir one another up to love and good works. Then the rest of verse 25. uh, Don't neglect meeting together and do encourage one another. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So hear me on this. When I talk about stepping on each other's toes, I'm not meaning be obnoxious, okay? I'm not saying, and so often that is the Christian approach. Someone is struggling with something and we say, stop it. Um, that doesn't help. That doesn't work. The, the, the key here, we're, we're told the key is to encourage one another. We're to direct each other's attention toward the promises of God and toward the love of God and toward the faithfulness of God. We've got this brilliant picture whereby we're to know each other, we're to consider each other, we're to be in relationship with one another, to reflect upon how we can stir one another up. And then we move into doing that by going in with encouraging words and saying, so you are weak here, but the Lord has promised this. You struggle with that, but the Lord has promised the next thing. Applying the promises and truth of the gospel to those particular things that we are struggling with. I'm out of time. Conclusion. Are you doing this? Are you doing this? You need other people. You need other people. Are there three people in your life who know all your stuff? And your spouse, your counselor, and your therapist don't count. Okay? <laughs> Anyone you live with or have to pay doesn't count. And I have all those people, so I'm not being mad about that. But three relationships in your life, three people who know all your stuff, that you're open with, honest with, vulnerable to, there ought to be. You need other people. Likewise, other people need you. And sometimes this is the more convicting thing because we're strangely suicidal about our own spiritual health. Just because something's good for us doesn't mean we'll do it. So it's motivating to remember that other people need you. You know that night that you're tired and don't feel like going to small group? Go, because other people need you to be there. Are there three people in your life that you know all their stuff? That you are in relationship with them and encourage them in their walk with you. Form these relationships, develop them, foster them. Uh, We have the small group vehicle to do it here. We would love you to be a part of one of those. Do it informally as well through friendship and through fellowship. Because of what Christ did and because of what Christ does, we can draw near to God in faith. We can hold fast our hope. We can stir up one another in love. Let's not let the gospel be like the gym or our latest diet or how often we clean the house. Let's work it in, knead it into every, every area of our experience so that it is our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this brief moment in your word. And thank you for the truth of it. Thank you that you have removed the veil of separation, that we can have full and free intimacy with God. And we pray that on the basis of that gospel work, we would draw near in faith, we would hold fast our hope, we would consider how we might stir up love. Help us to be formed into this kind of real community, Lord, where your Son is enjoyed and savored. We're grateful for this time and ask that you would bless it to us in your son's perfect name. Amen.